WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. It was a hot day throughout the entire state of Ohio. Jerry had started the day taking a couple of very effective stimulants, but after driving eight hours with the windows down, Ernie felt she had evened out enough for them to stop for the night. And so they made it to Yellow Springs for a nice cold drink in a friendly old haunt. A drink in a room was all Ernie wanted. He knew at any point, Jerry could start celebrating. You see, being back on the road was a national holiday for that girl. He knew he had to be quick about things. It was all he could do to get to his plan of a little bit of business and a whole lot of sleep. But what he should have been prepared for was Ohio. For Ernie, it wasn't as simple a place as any other in the entire Union. Hello, I'm Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. Hmm, charmed. I'm sure. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 7, not the Washington Post March. Walter, we're just passing through. I have my orders, You Ernie. can't do that to a fella. It's a rotten turn, I know. If you tell him we will never stop here again. That's how it is? You bet it is. Geraldine? Yeah? Ready for another? Yeah. Looks like Jerry wants to stay, Ernie. Take it up with your wife. We love this tavern. Always have. Heck, always will. But I guarantee you this. There is a last time we will stop in here. Now, it might be after I'm dead, which by all rights, it should turn out that way. But if you force this issue, it will be right now, this instant. Right. I'll take my wife and my typewriter yep. and throw them both in the car. We'll head for Chillicothe. Chillicothe, is it? No, no, not Chillicothe. You're trying to track me already? No. Mm. No, not uh, Chillicothe. I meant Gallup Police. No, wait. <laughs> I mean Jackson. No, Athens. Sure. Mr. Grote will give me a shiny $50 bill just as soon as I call the newsroom in Cincy. If you can beat that, I am available for sale. Now, dog damn it, Walter. Let's just drink up and leave. I'm tired. I've been driving all afternoon and evening That's in this heat. Right. Don't tell him I'm here. We love this place, Walter. How would you like it if the second you put your head on the stinky pillars you keep on the beds here and someone yeah. rings the phone or knocks mm -hmm. on your door? Mm -hmm. Those Ohio jackasses, Careful. they have no shame. Stinky. Well, they can't leave me alone. I don't know, and I don't care. Oh, sure, 50 bucks. I am truly sorry, Ernie. Mr. Grote spends a lot more time in here than you do. I like you. I am a fan of your work, but I am a businessman. Mr. Grote doesn't have a writer on his entire staff that can spell, period. So he's always hounding me. I'm selling papers all over the chain. He thinks I work for him. He's just one editor or one paper. There's more to this country than Ohio. Let me tell you what he'll do tell just as soon as you spill the beans Jerry and I are here. Besides, what? give me 50 bucks. A drink and a room. That's all you're supposed to do, Walter. You should go to jail for such lawless graft. You want another? Sure, give me another. Yep. As sure as you're standing there, I'll be handed a gift-wrapped box of Bull Durham by morning. Nice. Oh, you bet. You bet. And some fat city clerk will stop by with the key to the city and a list of the ten most interesting people in Yellow Springs. Probably tied to some businesses that advertise in the Cincinnati Post and the Columbus Citizen. 
Then I'll be watched and followed all over town by three fellows in a black Nash ambassador trying to be as invisible as a carload of union organizers. It is not a fair hand of solitaire you're dealing me, Walter. I play bridge. Oh, I hate that game. Tell him about the Washington Post March. Why do you hate bridge? Colbertson and Lenz, why are there two bridge experts giving out strategy in every paper? It doesn't make sense to me. How, how can they be a help to every bridge player when every bridge player is reading the same strategy? Just the same as the next dumb Tell him player. about the Washington Post March. Bridge players are among the smartest folks I know. It doesn't make any sense. I gut Colbertson and Lenz and sell more advertising. Give me a space. I'll something. write something. And tell him about the Washington Post March. Oh, tell me about the Washington Post March. We flew into Akron last year. We were invited by the B.F. Goodrich company to walk around some tire plant. Yeah. So we're driving over that and the motorcycle mm-hmm. police surround our car, escort us to this little park where... There's a bandstand all decorated with bunting like it's the 4th of July. And standing there in the bandstand, (laughs) the Akron Police Relief Association marching band. As soon as they see Ernie, they strike up the Washington Post March. Yeah, so? It's a Washington Post March. I heard that, so? Don't you get it? No. They thought I worked for the Washington Post. Don't you? Oh, boy. No, my no. paper is the Washington News. There is no Washington News March. Now you're getting it. Why is that funny? Nobody said it was. But now the combined editors of five Ohio Scripps papers all think that I love that song. And for some reason, wherever we go in Ohio, I'm given a large box of smoking tobacco, and then I get serenaded by all sort of musicians playing the damn Everywhere song. Everywhere we go. And you don't like it. I can't stand it. In Cincinnati, we're having lunch with a vice president of the Ivory Soap, and... This hillbilly with a boater comes playing a clarinet. He yeah, just yeah, jumped I had to on yank us. the reed out of his mouth. Nearly cracked you over the head with it. <laughs> that hillbilly was as mad as a Hatfield. <laughs> That's funny. Hillbilly <laughs> mad as a Hatfield. Now, Walter, if that ends up in the column, you will know where it came from. We have to look out for these shenanigans in every corner of Ohio, Walter. Everywhere. So, would you we please go. just let a guy get a good night's sleep tonight? We're just passing through this time for Pete's sake. <sighs> All right, Ernie. I'll let you have a free one, but you have to promise me next time I get to call Mr. Grote. Fifty bucks is fifty bucks. I'll promise you that if you sell me that bottle of Four Roses. Done. Thank you, old friend. You are one of the only good ones left in this state. Let's go, girl. Let's get some sleep. And so they settled in for the night. Ernie got on the phone to take care of a little newspaper business with one eye on Jerry. There were eggshells all along the path ahead of him, and now he had to worry about Ohio. Washington Daily News, Lincoln 50905. Thank you, operator. Why'd they leave us just one cup in here? I have no idea. Go yell down to Walter and get us another cup. Lee Miller! Hey, y'all, so-and-so. I know, I know it. Okay, look, real quick now, this connection is spotty. Check the Columbus paper. They moved me from top of page two to bottom of three. I appreciate that. You're damn right. That's it. No, they shouldn't have. I... I bet I'm not the only one complaining. No, you do it. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Look, I have one other thing. Just one. All right, now, I also noticed that my prose had a kind of a clipped tone to it, if you know what I mean. 
The one about the hydroelectric dam project on the upper Missouri. Oh, you did. That was you. You don't say. Well, I appreciate you being forward about it, though. If I never said anything, you'd never fist. I write that way. I write the way I do for a reason, you old gas bag. Okay, change the subject. Oh, go ahead. It's limerick time, Jerry. Already? There once was a church girl with big knickers. Oh, no. Oh, you're off already. Oh, boy, you got that Jerry, right. listen to this. Okay, there once was a girl with big knickers, of which she kept stuffed with fine liquors. When she knelt for a prayer, her pockets would flare and was a reliable resource for vicars. Stupid. <laughs> that can't be your best. Oh, yes, it can. <laughs> oh, another one? Oh, sure, go ahead. A modest young maid from Hoboken had her bodice thrown open. She turned real quick with her trusty broomstick, and the offender ran off with nose broken. That's a disgusting pig. <laughs> Boo! Yeah, she's a big fan of yours. He's editing you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I haven't been working on any liver. Why are you so chicken to tell him how you feel? I just did. Lee, just a minute. He isn't even listening to you. Keep it down. Well, he he's can not hear you. hearing you. I have taken care of it. He still thinks he can boss you around. Lee, just one more moment. Just, I'll be right back. Jerry, take that machine and go in the other room right now. I have a business to run here. Go. Hmm. Okay, Lee Miller. I know you're listening to this, too. It's your turn. Ernie should be a lot harder on you, you I just smashed your face through the phone. You think you're so smart, Washington Daily News editor? Big deal. If Ernie wanted the job, he'd be editor. You know it. You stink at it. Everything you know you learned from Ernie. Quit monkeying with his column. A basic proofread is all you should be doing. You write? You don't? Why? Because you stink. So, Ernie today looks over the Columbus paper and sees his words have been changed, and then I read it, you dolt. It was more than a simple repair. You completely restructured sentences. You can't change Ernie's syntax. He's been spending years in countless columns perfecting. Sometimes a sentence comes out a certain way, like an everyday person would say it, and it doesn't follow the rule of strunk. It follows the rule of pile. You need to leave well enough alone. You need to leave greatness alone. I am taking care of well enough. And what the hell do you think I'm doing here? Do not stomp on my job. We don't need you, your parochial anthropomorph. And no, that isn't a word, but I'm sure you had to look it up to be sure. If you're such a fine writer, you get the job. You do it yourself. Just gets my goat. And last year, we had some people over, and your wife was talking to four or three women I didn't recognize, and she was telling them her husband, Lee, puts Ernie's words in order, and that you are Ernie, and that you're responsible for Ernie being such a success. Now, Lee, I wonder, where would she have heard such a thing? Who's putting those thoughts in her head? Does she really think so lowly of you that you need to tell her lies so she can see the hero in you? I stepped right up to her face and I said, What have you ever done? You wash your husband's dishes. Hey, hey. And I told Ernie, of course, but he didn't do much. He never gets mad. I can only imagine what you and your wife talk about when you talk about Ernie. Probably me now. Jerry, (sighs) shut up. Don't tell me to shut up. I don't care. Ernie doesn't care. Oh, the hell he doesn't. Acts like it sometimes, but people think he gets mad. It's just a show. What has gotten into you? Nobody has any respect for you, Ernie. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that, but we are in a hotel room. I don't care. I don't care anymore. It gets me so mad. Yeah, well, apparently it does. You? You you don't care. You don't care one iota about me. You don't care 
one iota about my contribution Shh. to this organization. But are you nuts? Why do you call me that? Okay. Don't call me that! Take it easy, Jerry. It's just a turn of phrase. I'll turn a phrase around your neck in a minute. Okay, Jerry, stop, please. Do you it's ever just care? You and do you me. ever care about what well, I write about? Well, of course ever. I do. No, you don't. Well, settle down. Settle you down. Can we see settle down? No, I don't, I Jerry. I have something to say. Let's lie down for a while, please. He doesn't even put a show on for you, Lee Miller. For some reason, he loves you. What? And just so you know, because Ernie lets you go on thinking you're a genius of language. But everybody knows. Everybody knows. You really get my goat, Can I tell you. Can we put the booze away for a Why while? Why can't you just let me say something, anything? You're the only one that gets to write anything around here. Sorry if that caught you off guard there. It always caught Ernie that way too, I suppose. This time he found his way out of it with a distraction. A couple decks of cards and a score sheet. And with Jerry, things could always turn on a dime. You should give me a head start. No. You ever heard of anybody playing solitaire in a gambling house? I have. Yeah. Me too, but would they let you play the cards yourself? Is that how it works with someone sitting across the table you from you? You have to be dealt and play to you by a dealer. Well, it doesn't seem like solitaire then. Well, I suppose, but by the way, the card sharks dealing themselves underhand. Oh, that's true. I don't know. Mm. Ooh, oh, almost. So close. There's no making money in this game. <laughs> There's if you write a story about it. Ooh. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You think I should? Why not? The entire column on solitaire? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I just won. Turn it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm catching up now. I'm tired. Uh, I know it. You can fall asleep. I'll play a little bit more catch up. What is that? Listen. Is that someone playing records? Well, that sounds like a band. A band? No, it sounds like people singing. In Ohio. Why are people singing? Oh, the no. Washington Post March. I'm not going to be able to do anything in this town tomorrow. Shh, shh. They're pretty good. Oh, brother. What's the. Ooh. It's a barbershop quartet. They're good. We need to leave. No. Well, maybe no. I should just go get a job at the Washington Post and no. it could all make sense. Aren't they good? What the hell is a barbershop quartet doing singing in middle of midnight, Ohio? This is the strangest place on earth. Snuck out of Chillicothe, middle of the night, drove about 20 miles down the road here. Then we had to take a nap. And Ernie woke up before dawn and put a typewriter on the front fender and just spit this one out. You ready? Just a second. 
go ahead. It is a matter of vexation to me that I must spend my life reading stories about Eli Culbertson and Sidney Lenz and other bridge sharks, and yet I can never find a word in the papers about the feats performed in that noblest of all card games, Solitaire. What do I care about Eli and Sidney? Nothing. I have never played a game of bridge in my life and never intend to. If you play bridge, you have to play with somebody. Well, that cancels it for me. It's solitaire. You can miss a play or make a mistake and nobody in the world knows it but you and you won't tell. You can sit, look at your cards for hours without batting an eye and nobody will scowl at you or cough. You don't have to open your mouth or say a word, except maybe to swear softly to yourself now and then when you only get two aces out. Solitaire is without fame in its own land. Who invented solitaire? We don't know. Why don't we find out? Build a big monument to him. Who is the champion solitaire player of the world? We don't know. Why don't we find out and Ronnie's picture every Sunday in the magazine sections. Is there a solitaire player who has never cheated? Probably not, but why don't we find out? And if there is, build a legend around him, as we did with George and his hatchet. Solitaire is wonderful on ships, or on trains, or in bleak hotel rooms where time drags, or at home in the evenings, when you have company you don't like. It is also the perfect setup for an inhibited gambling spirit. There are, I imagine, any number of people like myself who have an inborn hitch for gambling, but who never gamble because they can't bear to lose. Solitaire is just a thing for us. We can imagine we're playing in the gambling house and we deal in big figures. And at the end of the evening, we lost $387 and we don't have to pay it. I stayed one week in a hotel where the light was too dim for reading, the heat went off at 7 o'clock, and there wasn't even an old-fashioned rocket chair. So I put on a couple of sweaters, pulled up a hard-bottom chair, put a pillow on it, and played solitaire. Every night for a week. Altogether, I played about 70 games. I won, got all the cards out, only once. Once just by little dribbles, I came out slightly ahead for the evening. All the other evenings, I went steadily downhill. At the end of the week, I was some $600 in the red. I kept track on the back of an envelope, and when I left, I threw the envelope in the wastebasket. I've talked with solitaire players all over the country. Every one of them seems to know somebody who once played solitaire in a gambling house, but I have yet to meet a person who himself had played it in a gambling house. And I wonder if you really can. Once I met an old man on a boat who played constantly, he said he had kept count of his progress for years and that he was way ahead. He said he could win in a gambling house. He could. It is true, except that they wouldn't let him play. They'd throw him right through the front window. He just moved his cards wherever they'd do the most good, whether they fit or not. That's a good one. Well, thank you. And Lee Miller, I dare you to cut this one up. <laughs> so do I. Let's get the heck out of Ohio.
Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. It was in the soft, warm spring of 1923 that I first saw Washington. He started as a cub reporter and worked his way through every task in the newsroom. In that time, he developed himself as a writer, creating his first fan base. Hey, you're, you're Ernie Pyle. Oh, no. Ernie Pyle, remember me? No. When a fella's been shooting around the country and then goes back to Washington and walks down the street, all the people he knows stop and shake hands. One fella stopped me on the street and said, I'm the man whose poem you wouldn't publish last winter. It's the cherry blossom, the cherry blossom that lifts, the guilt of misdeeded politicians it lifts. Oh. It's Washington himself that never told a lie. Baloney, I say. My axe will make short shrift. Holy jeez, we gotta get back on the road. Back next week with more stories from the Ernie Pyle Experiment. I'm Dan V. Prescott reminding you that the good road will never end if you only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 7, Not the Washington Post March. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Walter the bartender, Loraldo Anzaldua. Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry on and on, Peter Spellos. Quartet, lead, Stephen Chambers. Tenor, Thomas Tiggleman. Baritone, Joe Grimmy. Bass, Daniel Lentz. Executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee. Writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound design, Jesse Brewer. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music assistant, Francis Crichon. Barbershop quartet director, Eric Dodes. Foley artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where if you can't beat them, join them. So here goes. I've been carrying on and on, on and off for decades now. Touche, Bloomington.